Friday night, I was absolutely shocked. Corey Seager hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game. And that wasn't what shocked me, is my phone just blew up. I mean, from California to Arizona to Florida to Washington to Texas to Tennessee, I had no idea how many people were watching the World Series just to watch the Rangers because I'm a fan. (laughs) And I'm talking old ladies. (laughs) watching baseball and uh and I started thinking about it I'm like never has my phone blown up so much but it's over baseball and I'm like why is that and it's like well that's because the only thing I post on Facebook is me going to baseball games I don't really I used to I used to post things all the time to stir the waters about Jesus and theology and stuff and I totally stopped that so of course uh, people just see me for traveling and see me for doing the baseball thing and and not so much the Jesus thing anymore. Which is like totally opposite of my life. Like, I sat and listened to a theology professor for two and a half days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, and when I came home Saturday night, it was just like, oh, I'm just going to sit in front of the TV and watch baseball and kind of like get my head out of the game. But my my world is Jesus. My world is uh, my world is like hanging out with you and talking to you about Jesus. Baseball, again, I said this last week, is a sideshow, and it's fun. I enjoy it. It gets my head out of the game. Uh, but I'm more concerned about this and the reason I don't post on Facebook anymore is because of the culture that we live in uh, is there's 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 too many that are in opposition of what I believe and not that I can't handle it not that I can't handle it I just don't think it's the way that I'm going to reach people for Jesus uh, I, I will continue to teach the truth I will continue to uh, walk with those who desire to know Jesus, who desire to get into it, the Word of God and uh, learn about the Creator, This have this, this intimate relationship with the Creator that uh, will, will bring this real adventure to your life. You really will. And so... Uh, as I, I sat here and, and tried to finish this this second chapter of First John, I had to go back and think about, okay, who's he writing to? He's he's writing to the the church. The, those the, those are the believers that are on this island in Crete, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, if you go back to my introduction a few weeks ago, and uh, the, one of the things that they were dealing with were Gnostics, Gnostics, and I'll, I'll explain that here in a, a little bit more. But it's kind of what we're dealing with today in the, this world is the re, religion, religion and church has kind of messed up the gospel. The gospel being the good news. Like, I, for me, I grew up learning about the good news, and it was good news, but now it's the gooder news. The, the more I the more I know about God and the more I, I see things and live in this world where 
you can't even come to a bowling alley and be safe anymore. You know, we live in a fallen world, and uh, how, how do you how do you explain that to people? How do you explain? Uh, we can we can talk about that. We could talk about culture. We could talk about fear. Uh, I, you can make a lot. Of, my professor said you can make a lot of money teaching fear, but then you're just adding to the noise. It's already out there. And so today, I think this is what John is literally saying to the church is, let's go back to what you we taught you, what we've taught you about Jesus. And there's a lot of noise that's surrounding you guys. There's a lot of things going on, but I need to take you back to the basics. And if you get the basics, then everything works out. He says in verse 15, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, when he says, when he says world, he, he's not talking about the, the earth and the things like that. Uh, and I don't even know if he's talking about worldly things. I think he's talking about the people of the world that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Because the people that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're going to be in the things of the world. They're going to be practicing. And, and, and that is absolutely natural to them. It's, it's their world. It's their world. The, the, scripture, the Scripture tells me that I'm an alien and a stranger to this world now that I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. Like, this isn't my world anymore. This isn't it. There's a better place that is waiting for me. The best is yet to come. And so John is like warning those who do not believe in Jesus about their spiritual condition. This is really who he's talking to. All who are in Christ, all those who believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, the love of God is literally just poured inside of us. Like, how am I different for the, from the world is... Well, I love people that don't think like me. Hmm. Like, I don't have to condemn people because they don't agree with me. I don't have to try to make them think like I think. I can still love them just the way that they are. Why? Is because that's what God did for me. He loved me just as I was. And he, because of my belief in him, he made me a new creation. So when he's talking about the world, he's literally talking about the unbelievers and how they love the world. How they love the world. They trust in this world system. They love to talk politics. They love the entertainment. They love the world. And the difference is... <laughs> They don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. It's kind of a big deal. He says in verse 16, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. You see, he's literally saying that they're enslaved to the lust of the flesh. 
I, I get it. You know, men, men are stimulated by sight. That's just, that's just the way that we're created. You, we had a conversation with our high school students Wednesday night about the difference between men and women. Are, is there a difference between men and women? Because they're basically being raised up, taught that there's not a difference between men and women. Well, let me tell you, there's a difference. <laughs> they, they can tell you, we, we talked about it. And so the different the difference for us is that that men you know we can easily see something and we can get excited easily, but an unbeliever who doesn't have the Holy Spirit doesn't know how to combat that. I know how to combat that. That's just a flesh thing, and let's move on. Let's stay focused. Let's stay focused, Christians. I'm set free from this world system. I live in the world, and I actually enjoy the world, but it's only because there's a holy living God inside of me. And he allows me to, like, (laughs) I got home, you know, from sitting all day watching, and I got my leaf blower out because my yard was just covered. And it's his creation. I look at those leaves and just how beautiful they are, these red leaves that are laying in my driveway. Get out of my driveway, but you're beautiful. <laughs> and just to adore his creation. I, I'm no longer enslaved to the things of this world. I enjoy it. I'm a part of it. I'm, I'm in it, but it's, it's not my life. It's not my, it's not. It says, and the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. This is how I know that it's talking about people rather than about the earth and the world itself. It's because he's talking about us, the believers, how we're going to live forever, and the world's not. But we as believers, we have eternity we have eternity with our creator, our heavenly God. God's will for you is for you to live forever with him and Jesus and the Spirit, three in one. And it's all through Jesus. It's all through Christ. He wants us to believe in Jesus. This is really what John's saying to the church you say, well, this letter was written to that specific church in Crete, and it was their situation and everything, but, hey, it pertains to me as well. That, like, stay focused. God's will for me is to walk in His Spirit. How many times can we say this here? It's that whole one-trick pony thing that we talk about here. Know who you are in Christ. Amen. Know who you are in Christ. That's the, fir- that's the first thing. If you, if you hear anything out of this pub on a Sunday morning, it's going to be know, you, know who you are, that you're holy, righteous, and redeemed. You're forgiven. You're a child of God. You're perfect. He made you perfect. It wasn't based upon what you did, but it was based upon what he did. And so now he's like, Walk by his spirit. What does walk by his spirit look like? 
I just need to know them. The more I know them, yeah, a baby doesn't like, you know, they start to learn to walk when they're one, but it's funny to watch them walk because they can only take a few steps. Well, it's the same way if you're just figuring this out, who you are in Christ, you, you're going to take a few steps and you're going to fall. But eventually you learn to walk and you learn to run and you learn to enjoy walking with Jesus. And anything outside of that is not natural for us anymore because we've been made new. We're a new creation. It's of the world and not of Jesus. Uh, the priority is teaching identity here. But the, se- the second thing that I would say is most important is learning to live in this community. This community that's sitting here in this room. How, how to learn how to live in this community. Like meeting the needs of each other. Encouraging one another. Sharpening the swords, the scripture, with one another. Touching one another. Just to be touched. To hug. I mean... This is important in this community. It, it, if you're going to like hitch your wagon to any one thing, I would, I would say, one, it's Jesus. But it comes, it comes down to like, man, hang out with us. Uh, because I, I truly believe the identity of the people in here is that they love Jesus and they're figuring out who they are and they're trying to walk together. So, it impacts your job, it impacts your dating, it impacts your relationship, it, it impacts everything. And, and, and literally John's like saying this to the church, he's like, you're getting distracted by the world and what the world's telling you, but I'm saying it's all about Jesus. Verse 18, it says, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. And by this, we know that it is the last hour. He's literally talking about the end of times. Now, if this is written in the 60 AD and he's like, the the time is near. I'm sitting here in 2023 going, oh man, the time is near. (laughs) Like some 2,000 years later. And I don't think that he's talking about, in Revelation 13 verses 1 through 10, it talks about this beast and... That's all about the future and everything else, and I'm not going there, but I don't think that he's referring to the beast as the Antichrist here in this, which a lot of people will associate when he says that. When he uses the term Antichrist, anti means to be against, against Christ, in the context of those who literally stand against Christ. And this was the whole reason that he wrote this letter is because they were talking about the Gnostics that were coming in and forcing their views inside the church. And you go, uh, literally, it's not some future thing that he's worried about. He's worried about what's happening currently, these false prophets that are antichrists that are coming into the church and consuming what they're thinking and teaching we know that based upon what he says here is that they've kind of like left and they separated themselves, but they're, they're still in contact with the believers. 
and I'll remind you what they were teaching. They're, re, they're teaching that the material world was full, that matter of the material world was evil. And therefore, if matter was evil, that when Jesus Christ came unto the earth, he couldn't be evil because his, his incarnate body would be matter, and matter is evil. So it wasn't really Jesus that was here. It was just kind of some spiritual form of Jesus, and Jesus really wasn't the Son of God. This is what was infiltrating the church. And John's like going, oh, you guys, I've taught you, I've taught you, I've taught you. We've talked about this so many times. And you're going to let them come in and tell you something different. <laughs> and that's what the evil one does. It's just a distraction. He's going to put distraction after distraction after distraction in front of us. I don't care what it is. It's of the world. It's not like some Gnostics. No, there's not like Gnostics coming in here and teaching from the stage. It's, it's not the same distraction, but I guarantee you, you've got a distraction in your life. And that's what he's saying. He's like, stay focused. Stay focused. Verse 19, he says, they went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Like, they came in here, did their thing, and they've left. So that tells me they're not a part of us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. So it was obvious that they were part of the group, but it, as soon as it revealed that they were false teachers, all of a sudden they had to like leave because they weren't teaching the same thing. They came their own pseudo-Christian group outside of this church. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Church, listen to this. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. All of you that are sitting here in this room know the truth that it is about Jesus and Jesus alone. We are saved by faith in Jesus. And it is by His grace that I'm sitting here in front of you breathing. Breathing. It's His grace alone. It says they have this anointing. They have this anointing. What's this anointing? Well, let me tell you, you've got a spirit living inside of you. I'll say it again. Jesus came incarnate. He lived the law out perfectly. He was the perfect sacrifice. He got up on the cross. His blood was poured out. His, when his blood was poured out, it did what the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do, and it forgave sin. It forgave all of our sin back from Adam to the future made you perfect, holy, redeemed. You're forgiven. All your sin that you've done, doing, going to do is dealt with on the cross because of his blood. He died. He was buried. He rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And they said, we're going to send the Spirit to live inside of you. Because we've proven all these years you can't do it. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't. And so now there's a Spirit living inside of you. And you're anointed. And you're different than the world. You're not of the world. This isn't your place. This isn't your home. 
And all those Gnostics that were teaching Jesus wasn't really here, they didn't have that anointing. They were like separated. He says, I have not written to you because you didn't know the truth, because you do know it. You know the truth. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who's the liar? If not the one who denies that Jesus is Christ, he's literally calling out the Gnostics at this point. This one is the Antichrist and the one who denies the Father and the Son. He's not saying this specific one, but he's saying those who don't believe that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah, they're the Antichrist. They're against us. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. All who reject Jesus also reject God. That's it. It's that simple. It doesn't matter how good a person is, how good a person wants to be, how great their beliefs are. If they reject Jesus, they've rejected the Father. But all those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have the Father and they have the Spirit. It's a package deal. It comes together. That means the, the entire Trinity is pleased with their children. God, you know, Matt says all the time, God loves you. He's happy with you. Even in the midst of your chaos. Even, even in the midst of your bad decisions. He loves you. Verse 24, he says, what you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. What, what we've, we started telling you, if what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us. Eternal life. You get to live forever. With the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Way back eternity past, they said, let's create this and let them be a part of our community. Let them be in fellowship with us. God is offering this unending life, the very life of Jesus, to all those who believe in him. Salvation, it's, it's an eternal salvation. That means nothing can interfere with it. Nothing can interrupt it. It's a done deal. And this, this is the whole heartbeat of the new covenant. Verse 26, it says, I've written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. <laughs> you don't need me up here. You don't. Like, you have the same spirit in you that I have in me. And you can literally read his word. His word. You can literally go outside and see that God is God. You don't need me. You know that Jesus is the Savior. It says, instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it just as it has taught you, remain in him. 
Now, he's not suggesting, he's not suggesting that believers don't need to benefit from one in each other's spiritual gifts. If this is my spiritual gift to sit up here, okay, maybe you're benefiting from it. But there's nothing keeping you from opening the Word of God and reading it and understanding it. You can. John's simply telling the church, you have this anointing from God, and it's his presence within you. That's the anointing. Because Jesus lives in us. <laughs> how, well, how, how, how is that possible? How can I read? First Corinthians, Paul wrote, to the church, he says, the spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything. And yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. That's why I don't post on Facebook, because I'm not really concerned about what the world thinks about me. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? That's Isaiah 40, 13. But then he says this, but we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is part of my soul. I'm able to think, able to think and process spiritual things. And if they don't have Jesus, then they're not capable of doing that. If you're sitting in this room and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're having a hard time comprehending what I'm saying to you. That's what it says. And then he 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 ends he ends with this this part of his letter he says so now little children again go back three weeks ago now little children you understand forgiveness right the basics you understand the basics jesus forgave you so now little children remain in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming believers you're not going to be punished you're not going to be judged at this second coming you can have this confidence to know that he's done everything for you that you need and he's made you perfect. He has forgiven you. Not the case for the unbelievers, not the case for those that don't believe in Jesus. And kind of gives a little teacher verse here. He says, if you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. <laughs> throughout the letter, throughout the letter, John argues that there are only two groups of people. Those that are in the light and those that are in the dark. Those who are in the light, you're characterized by righteousness. I am the righteousness of God because of what he did. And so when I do things that are natural to me because I'm righteous, I do righteous things. For those that don't have Jesus and are not made righteous, the natural thing for them to do is unrighteousness. I don't get mad at them. That's, that's their identity. That's what they do. That's what I would expect them to do. And the funny thing is, is like, I don't get mad at you either when you do unrighteous things. I hope you don't get mad at me when I do unrighteous things. 
But when I do, it's totally unnatural for me. And when it's unnatural for me, I know it. I don't need anybody to tell me. Because it's not in my nature. God has made them righteous at the core of their being, and he's done the same thing for you. You naturally want to live out of your new nature. Believers practice how to live from our identity in Jesus Christ. We are not fulfilled by a sinful behavior. It's totally opposite of who we are. And we live in this world that is fallen. We live in this world of chaos. We live in this world where if you look at the front lines of the internet and you go, what in the world is going on? This is not my world. This is not my home. It's not what's meant for me. It's not. It's chaos. It's fallen. But guess what? I get to be a light in the darkness. Amen. With all the chaos that's going around, <laughs> this is a little community right here. Goes out from here and gets to be a light in the world. Gets, gets to be Jesus to the world. Gets to impact our community. Why? Because you know who you are in Christ. Trust what you know. You said that to me on a golf course once. Trust what you know. Trust what you know. Jesus, uh, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you uh, for your world that we can see you in this creation. And thank you for your word in the world of Jesus Christ the Son. That we can be whole, that we can be righteous because of what he's done for us. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.